This is PBF Podcast number 34. This is Romeo One Oscar, and I am coming to you on PBF Public Radio, where we are supported by listeners like you. If you enjoy what we are providing for you here on PBF, please share this with people. And if you'd like to, we do have the donor box as well as Fundly up on the page, which will help us to move this project forward for all of you. You can find those links on our link tree on the page. So, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we had some rioting yesterday. The rioting yesterday follows a pattern that we have seen all summer long. A violent felon has been lionized. The video that came out of Lancaster, which was the body cam footage from the police officer, showed that the police officer had about three to four seconds from the moment that he arrived on the scene and a woman stepped from the house As she stepped from the house, a man came running out of the house with a knife. The cop made space. He actually pulled out a pulled his weapon from its holster and he hit the target while retreating. After this, Black Lives Matter across the city demanded justice for the man who they claimed was murdered by a trigger-happy police officer. Let's go to Ian Miles Chong reporting in the Post-Millennial. The police were called to the area for a report of an in-progress domestic disturbance when 27-year-old Ricardo Munez lunged at the responding officer while brandishing a knife over his head. Body cam footage shows Munoz charged out the door of a home, knife in hand, in pursuit of a police officer who is forced to draw his firearm and fire at the suspect. We do have the isolated body cam footage up on our telegram. We also have the full release with the Lancaster, Pennsylvania narrative from the police department. Police initially stated that Munoz was armed with a knife at the time of the shooting and promised to release body cam footage, what they did at 11 p.m. Eastern. 
But it was not enough to quell Black Lives Matter protest organizers who claimed that Munoz was a victim of police brutality. Guy runs out the door, knife over his head, lunging towards the police officer. The police officer is committing police brutality. And listen to this, this guy. Munoz has an extensive history of violence. In 2019, Lancaster police arrested Munoz after responding to reports of a fight and learned that the suspect stabbed four people. At the time, officers found Munoz holding a knife to his own throat and instructed him to drop the knife, but he refused and attempted to escape. Eventually, police managed to take him down with a taser. Among Munoz's four stabbing victims was a 16-year-old who suffered multiple stab wounds to his face, thigh, ankle, and torso. His other victims included a 22-year-old female and two other male victims, both 26, all of whom suffered multiple injuries. There was no known relationship to Munoz and his victims, whom he appeared to select at random. Munoz was awaiting criminal trial for four counts of aggravated assault in the first degree when he attacked the police officer in the shooting on Sunday. Munoz's history of criminality includes stalking, repeatedly commit acts to cause fear, Harassment and criminal trespass. Despite Munoz's extensive criminal history, BLM protesters took to the streets of Lancaster on Sunday night to protest the shooting. A number of rioters damaged police vehicles. Over the course of the night, Protesters agitated in the street and demanded that live streamers and journalists stop documenting their activity. So, they are going to riot over a felon who's holding a knife. And this one in a very... (laughs) He is coming at the police officer with his knife over the head. And this is somebody that we should what is what is supposed to happen? Are we are we just supposed to allow criminals to go out and maim, murder, rape, do whatever they want? I mean essentially it seems as if that's what people want now. You know, they they let all of these hardened criminals out of prison under the auspices that they might catch COVID in jail. And then there's a turnstile system in many of these cities now where it's no cash bail. So all of these criminals just come back out on the street. This guy had stabbed four people before. (laughs) It's insanity. It's insanity and it's anarchy and it's trying to create a society where everybody must live in fear of criminals.
and then groups of people have been weaponized as flash mobs because they are told that police officers, all they do every day is go out and shoot black people. That's all they do. That this is somehow allowed by the state. And this absurd narrative is repeated again and again and again and again, and it's amplified on the media, and it's amplified through entertainment, and it's amplified through music, and it's all based upon false narratives. I don't suppose a social worker would have had a good way to address a man coming flying out, because this is domestic disturbance. Domestic disturbances is one of those things that we have been told we need more social workers. We need people who can talk to someone. A guy comes flying out the door with a knife over his head. The officer has only a few seconds. He retreats. While retreating, he turns. The man is flying through the air at him to stab him. And he shoots him. And this is something that people in Lancaster are going to go out and try to destroy police vehicles. And then if it's documented what they're doing, they're going to attack the live streamers now. Why? Because they don't want accountability for their actions. They want to criminally be able to go out and damage buildings all over the place, all over the country. According to the article, some protesters were wearing body armor and stated there would be no peace and that they would get results one way or another. Other protesters stated that there would be some form of retribution to the police and that it was time to strap up, which, you know, means arming themselves. Throughout the night, protest organizers instructed white allies allies, to form the front line against police and in one instance instructed white people to get on their knees. Oh, others openly misrepresent the shooting to TV news media present at the demonstration about Munoz, referring to the 27-year-old as a little kid. So, it's rumors. Rumors of a little kid. This is what happened in Chicago, something very similar when they went on the Miracle Mile back in August. They were told that the police officers went after a kid. Unarmed. And I'm sure they're told this is unarmed. Because that's the important narrative. Lie. Get out early and lie. The good thing is that the police released this footage, but I don't know that this will do anything to quell it because the media, the political candidates, the politicians themselves, they want to spread lies. They're trying to destroy this country. In their desire to get power... They want to destroy our country. All right. uh, Shifting gears here a little bit. 
Wildfires will become worse thanks to decades-old liberal policies, says fire expert who predicted uptick in blazes. This is specifically to address what we're seeing across the West, where we have numerous arsons as well as what are just wildfires themselves. But there's an underlying issue here. And in this article, pinpoints about um, 20 to 30 years ago of what we see what has helped to lead to this. Former President Bill Clinton made a significant change to federal land management nearly 30 years ago that created the conditions necessary for massive wildfires to consume portions of the West Coast, according to one fire expert who predicted the problem years ago. Shortly before leaving office in 2001, Clinton limited the ability of the United States Forest Service to thin out a dense thicket of foliage and down trees on federal land to bring the rest into the West into a pristine state. Bob Zyback, an experienced forester with a PhD in environmental science, said. The former president's decision created a ticking time bomb, Zybach argues. If you don't start managing these forests, then they are going to start burning up. 30 years later, they're still ignoring it, said Zybach, who spent more than 20 years as a reforestization contractor. He was referring to warnings he made years ago telling the officials that warding off prescribed burns in Oregon and California creates kindling fuel fires. And then in Many of these places, too, like California, they haven't upgraded their electric system. And sometimes the, even the electric system itself is a culprit in creating these fires. And they're trying to blame climate change. They're saying that this is all a result of climate change. Such rules make it difficult to deploy prescribed burns, which are controlled burns designed to cull all of the underbrush and forest to lessen the chance of mass inf- massive fires, Zybeck noted. Years of keeping these areas in their natural state result in dead trees and dried organic materials settling on the forest floor, which become like, like matchsticks soaked in jet fuel during the dry season, he said. Zybeck's comments come as wildfires continue churning through parts of California, Oregon, and Washington. Media reports show fires have killed 26 people in the West Coast state since August, including 19 people in California, and have culminated in more than a half million people evacuating Oregon, a number representing roughly 10% of the state's population. Roughly 100 massive fires are blazing Saturday in the West, including 12 in Idaho, 9 in Montana. All told, the wildfires have churned through more than 4.5 million acres in 12 states. So let's go back to what was it exactly? Shortly before leaving office, Clinton introduced the roadless rule that restricted the use of existing roads and construction of new roads on 49 million acres of national forest, making it difficult for officials to scan the land for the kind of kindling that fuels massive conflagrations. The move was part of the Northwest Fire Plan, 
a resolution adopted by Clinton in 1994 to protect forests from being overlogged. Ten years before Clinton's rule, the Fish and Wildlife Service placed the Northern Spotted Owl on the Endangered Species Act, forcing the Forest Service to adopt a new policy that resulted in greater reduction in timber forest. The amount of timber removed from federal lands plummeted, according to data accumulated in 2015 by the Reason Foundation. An average of 10 billion feet of timber was removed each year from Forest Service land between 1960 and 1990, the data showed. Those numbers dropped between 1991 and 2000 and continued dropping. An average of only 2.1 billion, so that's down from 10 billion, to 2.1 billion of feet was removed from the land between 2000 and 2013, according to the data. That's an 80% decline. So, you had Clinton before leaving office with the roadless rule, so people couldn't no longer scan the land that was necessary to find what was the kindling for much of this fire. Prior to that, in 94, Clinton adopted the protect forest from being overlogged. Ten years before that was the spotted owl. So you've just got more and more trees building up out there, dead trees. You remove the ability to log these areas, all under the auspices that it's creating a more natural habitat. Something that, you know, um, potentially would be just the dream of many of these environmental groups. But now it's coming back to roost because these areas have not been cleared off. They're going to burn somehow. And we're seeing the results this year, especially because you tie that together. What may have been a fire that was started by perhaps lightning. You've got this multiplied by all these arsonists out there as well. Back to the article. They've gone and left hundreds of thousands of acres of burnt timber, a firebomb waiting to happen, standing in place because the black back woodpecker prefers that habitat. It's great for lawyers, but it's bad for people who breathe air or work in the woods. The prescribed burns are an ancient form of management for keeping the fuels down so these events don't happen. Zybeck said, referring to Native Americans who used control bur controlled burns to ward away pests and prevent wildfires from licking their homes. The Clinton administration's plan to turn forest in the West into pristine land free of human interference risk refueling. Wildfires reminiscent of the Tillamook Fire from 1910 in the Yellowstone Fire, Zybeck, who was based in Oregon, told Evergreen Magazine in 94 when the NWFP came into effect. Western Oregon had one major fire above 10,000 acres between 1952 and 1987, the report shows. The Silver Complex fire of 1987 snapped that streak after torching more than 100,000 acres 
you know, this is all over the West. And... Or overgrown grasslands, fires, and woodlands contributed to California wildfires in 2017. Sasha Burlman, a fire ecologist, told High Country News that year, I'm more certain than ever that there's a lot we can do between now and the next time that happens to make, make it so that the negative consequences to people are nowhere near as dramatic. The devastating fires that ran through California's wine country in October of 2017 killed 42 people and destroyed 7,000 buildings. The solution might be easier said than done. Nearly 20 million acres in California, an area about the size of Maine, will need to experience controlled burns to limit catastrophic, catastrophic wildfires. Fire experts agree prescribed burns are critical. Overzealous fire suppression across California are helping to build up wild land fuels, which contributes to wildfires. According to Tim Inglesby, a fire ecologist who began a career in the 80s as a wildland firefighter, the solution is to get good fire on the ground and whittle down some of that fuel load. It's just, well, it's horrible. Horrible to see this happening when the science is clear and has been for years. Every year I warn people disaster's coming. We got to change and no one listens and then it happens. And of course, they're blaming climate change. Why? Why? Why do they blame climate change? Because then they can demand more control over these areas. Former President Barack Obama suggested in a tweet Thursday that California's wildfires are a result of climate change. The fires across the West Coast are just the latest examples of the very real ways our changing climate is changing our communities. And Obama isn't the only one. Chuck Schumer. The proof of the urgency of the climate crisis is literally in the air around us. Schumer said in a September 10th article... And Zybeck's not convinced. The lack of active land management is almost 100% the cause. Noting that climate change has almost done nothing. It has almost nothing to do with fire kindling across the forest floors. Other researchers share his skepticism. Global warming may contribute slightly, but the key factors are mismanaged forest, years of fire suppression, increased population, people living where they should not, invasive flammable species, and the fact that California has always had fire. University of Washington climate expert Cliff Mass said. So an unwillingness to properly manage what is out there, an 80% reduction over an extended period of time, so all of that kindling builds up on the floors. But people like Gavin Newsom are going to come out there and tell you that it has to do with climate change. Because when they tell you it has to do climate change, it means it needs government interdiction in order to address this. And that government interdiction means less freedom for you less freedom for you 
much like we've seen under COVID. Control our lives. Take away our ability to be independent. They choose for us. And they make the world a more dangerous place in the process. All the while telling us that they're fixing it somehow. Exclusive data shows that half of 2019 donations to ActBlue came from untraceable, unemployed donors. A Take Back Action Fund analysis of $400 million in donations to liberal cause raises red flags of possible foreign involvement. Now, how does this all work? Anonymous donations are made through these organizations. Anonymous donations are untraceable. They're just requiring the people put their employers in there. But if they don't have a job, how does that all work out? And I think in yesterday's podcast, Lucky and I talked about this. It's money laundering. And it appears now the way they've set this up, it was a criticism, too, of Obama back in 2008 because of um, prepaid credit cards they couldn't trace. Money gets shoved in. These are criminal enterprises. These are criminal enterprises which are funding these campaigns. I mean, criminal enterprises always have in one way or another. It in no way justifies this, and it should be stopped. It's nothing new. They're always finding new ways to do what they're doing. Less than two months ahead of the presidential election, with concerns of foreign interference again at the forefront, and again, they shift the focus. I've said this before, and I'm going to repeat it. If the Democrats are accusing you of doing something, nine times out of ten, they're doing it. Russian boogeyman that's we've got to worry about oh the Russians are interfering the Russians spent a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads <laughs> back in 2016 and we are told repeatedly that that swayed the election and realize too they were posting ads for both sides they want to create discontent and the intelligence, the military industrial intelligence complex, they said that the conclusion was that they actually wanted Hillary because they knew how they could react to her. They preferred her over Trump, but that was suppressed by John Brennan. A preliminary analysis by the Take Action Fund obtained exclusively by Fox News, has found that nearly half of all 2019 donations to ActBlue were made by people claiming to be unemployed. Act Fund President John Pudner questioned the veracity of those donations and called it a loophole that must be closed for the sake of election integrity. After downloading hundreds of millions of dollars in donations, 
to the Take Action Fund servers, we were shocked to see that almost half of the donations to ActBlue in 2019 claimed to be unemployed individuals. The names of employers must be disclosed when making political donations. But more than 4.7 million donations came from people who claimed they did not have an employer. Those 4.7 million donations totaled $346 million. It's a lot of money to come from unemployed people, isn't it? And that's 2019. And realize, too, unemployment in 2019 was down below 4%. Granted, recently, because of the forced COVID close downs, the number's higher. The trend is continuing this year. An action fund examination of 2020 data from January through August showed an uptake in unemployed donations through ActBlue to 50.1%. ActBlue defends the integrity of its donations and said they come from retirees and people who aren't counted as employed, such as homemakers. According to the findings of the fund, a nonprofit that claim, aims to educate the public to conservative solutions for political reform, 48.4% of ActBlue donations last year prior to the massive job loss came with the onslaught. Oh, 48.4% last year came from those who did not list an employer or who claim to be unemployed. Putner said the large number is a red flag that some donations may be illicit contributions from foreign interest attempting to impact U.S. elections. You know, like, I don't know, the Chinese government that donated $1.5 billion to Joe Biden's son's company, Rosemont Capital, as he, Joe Biden's son, flew to China on Air Force Two in order to obtain that money? ActBlue created in 2004 bills itself as a powerful online fundraising platform available to Democratic candidates and committees, progressive organizations, and nonprofits that share our values for no cost besides a 3.95% processing fee. So let's see, too. Let's compare this. So the Republican Party has win red. According to the Action Fund's analysis of win win red's 4.9 million donations, totaling 302 million, 4% of that came from those who did not list an employer or were unemployed. That, this year, the rate is 5.6%. Does that make sense to be that different? I get part that, yes, you're going to probably just based upon the political philosophies have more unemployed people who will contribute to the Democrat side. But these numbers are just absurd. It doesn't make 
any sense at all to have that much. And, and it, it's largely untraceable. It's, <laughs> yeah, here's, here's something I talked about before. The issue of unauthenticated political donations was brought to light by the Washington Post in 2008, which was at the time allowing donors to use largely untraceable prepaid credit cards that could potentially be used to evade limits on how such an individual is legally allowed to give or to mask a contributor's identity. The, the the people who want to bring us mail voting of people we can't figure out who's actually doing the voting also want us to just accept donations from who knows where. You don't think foreigners will get a hold of those ballots that are being mailed in? Just as you've got operatives working in old folks' homes, as well as operatives working with the Postal Service, which the New York Post outlined last month that we talked about. There's so much corruption, and they're trying to bring more corruption into the system. And they always do it under the auspices that they're making things more free and open for everyone out there. (sighs) Crazy world, as I say so often. This is Romeo 1 Oscar. And I am out.